a beautiful afternoon, evening, morning. I'm kind of tired. Yeah. Heads up. I, yeah, we're we don't have a good excuse to be tired because like we're super well rested. Uh, I think we're just getting old already. I think we're just getting old. Yeah. So, anyways, today it's just me, Sean, and Alex. Um, we're gonna <laughs> me, Sean, and Alex. Me, as in like, <laughs> hey, it's Sean, and then like also Alex, but. Since there's only two people, we're gonna have to do the Both whole thing. Both of your personalities thing. and also me. Yep, that is true. Okay. Um, our topic for today should interest all you Costa nerds. It is actually <laughs> a poll based criticism, discussion, analysis, analysis about an analysis. Cedar Point and Kings Island, the Battle of Ohio. Um, the real question is, do we agree with what the general public is saying on our social media polls? This kind of thing gets talked about a lot, because, like, I think since day one, people have compared Cedar Point and Ohio and contrasted them, and now that they're under the same umbrella, I think it's been a good 12 years of, you know, of wondering the differences, and I guess, I don't know if that many people really ask themselves which is better, because I think it goes without saying that Cedar Point's the more popular one. But I think when we've been, like, this this is our second trip this month where we did both parks back-to-back, started with Cedar Points, finished with Kings Island. And so we've just been thinking about it a lot, about the two parks together in conjunction. And there's honestly just so much more to, to these parks and, like, the experience that we look at than just, like, coasters versus coasters. Because, like, first thing, most yeah, of our favorite parks we know, don't have that many coasters. Yeah, like, we know that Cedar Point <laughs> has the most coasters, and like, Cedar Point's top four is almost unrivaled yeah. anywhere. You know, there's a couple of parks that, that, that fight with it, but yeah. I think at the end of the day, that's not really what I'm here for. Yeah. But we'll get to that in just a few seconds. Yeah. We are going to start, We're gonna start um, with something a bit more current. And um, we, yeah, of oriented. course, we live in Orlando, yes. so we are hitting up Universal all the time. All I'm sure time. you know. Um, and, of course, there is this unnamed coaster, Jurassic World yeah. coaster by Enzyman. That looks phenomenal. A, we did a pretty thorough photo shoot recently. Yeah, like a week we ago. We had a really great time just taking pictures of the ride uh, for hours. Um, <laughs> but I, I think what's getting really exciting about it is, like, the track work is done. Everybody kind of knows what the ride's going to do. Um the exciting part now is the theme, the themed elements coming in. Yeah, seeing like several raptors being lifted into place within the area uh, that the ride occupies. It seems like it's going to be a very heavy themed ride that's supposed to compete with Tron and Gardens of the Galaxy as 2021 Coastal Wars in Florida continue. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited because we all know what these instruments can do, and they are... Such excellent coasters. Some of the world's very best attractions are the Intamin Blitz coasters. They're talking Maverick, they're talking Taron, some of the new ones you wrote in Asia, like Steel Dolphin in, in Shanghai and mm-hmm. Dolphin um, Dragon. Dolphin Dragon in Guangzhou, Sunak Land. So there is there is a lot of potential. And some of the elements that I'm really excited about um, is the roll over the water at the end. So we finally get our Maverick moment. Our Maverick roll. It was taken away so abruptly. Back from the dead. Um, that's coming, and I'm really excited for that. And then I saw a couple of, um, you know, Blue Sky original renderings of the ride, and the theme, I guess, will be some sort of escape from a raptor enclosure, which I guess we can yeah, kind of rap- figure out cage, already, given given the theme the and going up. look of the enclosure, and, it, it, and I guess it makes sense, because this was, 
uh, I think this was foreshadowed by the entrance to Raptor encounter. Totally. Um, now the whole midway is going to be kind of like Raptor, or I guess dinosaur enclosures, more, you know, more broadly speaking, various dinosaur enclosures on either side, which I guess kind of always has made a lot of sense. Like the Jurassic Park areas have never been huge on like, you know, 30 foot tall electric fences with plants on the other side and dinosaurs potentially like looming in the shadows. But that's what the Jurassic World reboot of the Jurassic Park area in Orlando is starting to shape up like, and I think it's cool. Now, the strange thing to me is that both the area is quite large. It's obviously, as of right now, I think the largest Jurassic area in the world still because Japan's is not quite as large. Uh, however, the area is bookended now with two original Jurassic Park themes. So when you enter the area from Kong, it's still Jurassic Camp and, you know, the original Jurassic Park River Adventure Ride. And then the other side, when if you know if you enter from Potter, it is still Jurassic Park as well. So it's kind of weird that now these two attractions, the Raptor Encounter and the new roller coaster, had that Jurassic World theme in the middle of the area. And first I was like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. Anything Jurassic is Jurassic. But now it's starting to shape up and it's like black and blue and dark you know, and gray versus the green and brown and the of yellow. the original con- yeah. of the original, you know, franchise. Yeah. I'm starting to wonder if mixing them is all the good of an idea. But who knows? We may just get our own Jurassic World here. It might feel no. more cohesive, I guess, after the fact, but I mean the whole area is kind of a mess anyway. Like the sight lines into Wizarding World are, you know, something that's worked against Jurassic Park for a while now. Just like having Hogwarts within plain view of like that last third or yeah, so. Yeah, there's nothing as great as walking area. under the Jurassic World arch and staring right up at the castle as you walk. So I almost feel like, like the, okay. the area, everything from like the Discovery Center to Wizarding World could probably use some redevelopment. Everything from River Adventure to Kong, I think, is perfect and beautiful and will probably stay the same, but who knows? I think there's... Um, they probably have a lot of interesting potential concepts um, for for that area of the park, really for both of the parks. Now that Epic Universe is, has kind of been put to bed for now, I think we were, I think, going to see not a lot of changes in the in in like the major components of the two of the two parks and uh, Universal Orlando Resort. But now that they're going to pour their their third gate money back into the two parks for now, I think um, maybe there will be some more dramatic changes coming to the existing parks. And uh, then there's always, you know, okay, so Universal Studios Beijing is getting its own Jurassic World area with two unique rides unique to the resort, including a Mac inverted family coaster. Uh, which, like Arthur. Like Arthur and Europa Park. And, it'll and be then a Spider-Man swinging over the area. Thing. Exactly. And then it'll be a 3D dark ride like Spider-Man, like Transformers, but then themed to Jurassic World. So I'm very excited to see what that is all about. I'm also wondering if it's something they would bring to the resort. I know there's not a whole lot of room in IOA to put another marquee dark ride. Yeah. Um, but I'm even thinking USJ, for example, where um, there is room if you want to make room to expand Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World even more. Yeah. So lots of exciting development around the franchise. I think it's smart. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, there'll be six movies mm-hmm. in the franchise, um, whether it's World or Park. 
And I think it's one of the stronger franchises they've got. Everyone knows Jurassic Park. It certainly has legs. You know? And dinosaurs are cool. The first movie came out in 1993. It's almost 30 years old. And I feel like Jurassic Park is just as relevant as it's ever been. Totally. When I think about Universal Studios, I think about Jurassic Jurassic Park. You know, Jurassic, Harry Potter, Mm -hmm. and Studio Tour in Hollywood. But those are definitely important franchises. Considering that... Like Jurassic is an actual Universal franchise and not I know a it's not even purchased intellectual property. I mean, about, like, yeah. yeah, I don't blame them. I'm surprised somewhere in China there isn't going to be like a Universal park that's 100 percent Jurassic Park, like a fully well, fleshed out. One thing we know about China dinosaurs. is China loves dinosaurs. <laughs> like they just love it. One of the yeah. most visited theme parks in China is a complete dinosaur theme yeah. based. Theme park, China Dinosaur Park, China Dinosaur Park, Dinaconda. So I'm sure the Universal is actively aware that they can also add a flume ride at one point, and they'll also add something else. I think one of the areas that'll get the most rapid expansions in the Beijing Resort will be Jurassic. I love the fact that they're building Harry Potter, but Harry Potter is not really the star of that resort. It's all about Jurassic Park, and I think the Transformers area. I think because both of those areas are going to have major two major e-ticket rides. Harry Potter is only going to have one. It's totally fair. However, I do think that Harry Potter has legs because as Shanghai Disney has kind of proven, like no one knew what Tron was and Pirates of the Caribbean is not a franchise that the Chinese people are even remotely familiar with. However, the two biggest attractions there yeah. are like franchises no one knows about. Yeah. So like you don't people don't necessarily need to know what it's about as long as it's cool. Mm-hmm. And like Forbidden Journey is a cool ride. It'll it'll kinda of rival with what Shanghai Disney has to offer and at the end of the day they just want cool rides. Because this is going to be an introduction to the source material for these people anyway. So yeah. these, these rides aren't going to be the emotional connection. They just, they're just going to be cool. They're just going to be cool. And I think that's I why... Think Transformers will work that way too. And I think I that's know. why River Adventure is not that necessary. I yeah. think having a dark ride that's cool and you know interactive and screens and water and fire... Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, it's no, solely so, the reason they're not getting River yeah, Adventure. Yeah, no water ride for Universal Beijing as of yet. Um, maybe climate-related, like... Well, in my opinion, they could have just put a Jurassic World they could ride have. inside. Maybe they will. But again, it seems like but an no expansion thing. Yeah. And like, It's strange because the world's longest rapids ride is in the same city. Right nearby. Heavy Valley, Beijing has the world's longest rapids ride. Um, but it again, of, it's also cold there, though. Yeah. It snows there It kind of reminds year. me of like Disneyland Paris, where like there's no water ride at Disneyland Paris, and yet the nearby regional park has an enormous collection of water rides. But... Disneyland Paris open every day, yeah. and it snows there, and it gets really effing exactly. cold. And Beijing is going to go through the same thing. Happy Valley yeah. closed half the year, but Universal Beijing is going to be operating every day. Yeah, so it makes sense. I'm really excited to see Universal kind of bring some new stuff to the table. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of copying, you know, kind of how Disney's been doing it lately. A lot yeah. of copying of successful IPs and products. So I'm excited to see a new Jurassic World rides that are mm-hmm. completely unique to the yeah. resort. That's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, we're going to jump to our next park. We also went to Waldemere on yes. this trip. So, yeah, we, we just came Waldemere. back from Cedar Point, Kings Island, and Waldemere. Um, Waldemere is awesome. Waldemere is so cute. Talk about, like, a true American regional individual park that has a bunch of characters. It's just so cute. It's, like, crammed with rides. There's so much to do there. No, it's not very big. Like, so it's very polished. There's lots of trees. There's lots of gardens. And lots and lots, lots of, of water features. Water features. Like fountains, fountains for days. Fountains and... Little statues. Yeah, it was cute. It was, it was very gardeny, Very well manicured. Yeah, it kind of felt like if you just threw Knobles, Lagoon, Silverwood, like all these you know, individual yeah. parks in the U.S. together. Sea and breeze. Sea breeze, totally. It made it something very small. Very sea breeze. 
Um, that's yeah, Seabreeze 2.0. Yeah, they definitely just like Seabreeze have a killer wooden coaster. Yeah, um, Ravine Flyer too. Ravine Flyer is great. I'm sure you've all heard of Ravine it. Ravine Flyer was the hype. Blew me away. Yeah, I had heard about expectations it. Expectations were they were shattered, lofty, and they were more than exceeded. And then they had some other great like non coaster rides too. Wacky Shack. Some people count it as a credit, but everyone counts it as a dark ride. And it's a great, it's a great one. Yeah, that was really fun. And their log flume is awesome. Great, again, great landscaping, lots of water features. Ravine Flyer 3, the little Mylar Kitty Coaster. More water features. Totally flooded, like surrounded by water on all sides with water features. Um, The Comet, super cute. 1951 1951 Woody. Wooden coaster. The oak trees in the infield for that thing are probably like 100 years old. Got a cute sky ride. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone wants to hear about yeah. Ravine Flyer, and Ravine Flyer really, or Ravine Flyer 2, yeah, Ravine um, Flyer. really does stand out. I can't believe the amount of air that mm-hmm. thing has to offer. It's so beautifully maintained. Like, and the it way it's designed maintains is... maintains speed so well. The view of Lake Erie was even better than in pictures. Just gorgeous. But then yeah. the way that the second major drop is also facing the water, so yeah. they really kind of build around the views. Yeah. It creates such a unique they had a lot. Product. They had a tall order, I think, with this ride of, like, it has to have all the things that a good wooden coaster normally has, like airtime and good laterals, good speed maintaining, you know, good pacing, all of that. But it's like, well, we also have to build it over uh, a public road to bridge this this uh, island of land that we own and put coaster track on it. And we want to maximize not only the ravine and the height difference, the height drop-off, but maximize... Um, the views of of the lake. So they did all of these things at once. All of it. Like, there were so many things that they wanted to accomplish with this ride. And it's the kind of thing where, like, you can't just decide to build a ride like Ravine Flyer. Like, not any park can just decide to have this. It has to be a unique park, unique circumstances, and they have to really, really want it and do it right. And I think that's why people are so crazy about this ride. It's so special. And I also think that frequently when parks build coasters that are terrain rides that are all about the view, sometimes like the actual layout is kind of like a secondary, you know, importance. But I feel like they really nailed it with Ravine Flyer because at the end of the day, it's an airtime machine. It is all over the place. I feel like if this would have been just nowhere near Lake Erie, not crossing the road, it would have still been such a significant uh, wooden coaster, and I think that's what I really liked. They they nailed it with every single category. They could it's have nailed it right in. up there with like some of the gravity group stuff in China, like like the travel trailblazers, through, travel through time in Hot Go Park. Yep, um, and I, I just can't believe like Voyage, for example, gets a lot of comparisons with Ravine Flyer, but like I talked about it in the trip report. A lot of people have been talking about Holiday World lately because Hollywood Nights. Have been like the and same weekend as we were at Waldemere. Hit, yeah. you know, everyone's on the holiday, uh, holiday World hype train. Everyone's living for for Voyage right now, which is awesome because Voyage is a cool ride. But of all the years I've been riding, I've ridden Voyage countless times over the course of 10 years. And I don't think I've had a ride on Voyage that was as good as our rides on Ravine Flyer. Because never at one point in time since the Voyage was brand new was it as smooth as Ravine Flyer is, you know, 13 years into the game. And it's just a, it's a, it's a sharper, more concise ride, easier to maintain. Voyage, you know, 
it's huge. So yeah, and the voyage. I mean, the voyage has that length component, which yeah. I love. But I do feel there's a couple of moments of voyage where I'm just kind of not really into it. As I feel like Ravine Flyer, every second counts. Yeah. It's not very long, but every second counts. Yeah. Yep. And it's just it's just easier. It's sort of like cleaning a big house versus cleaning an apartment. Oh, totally. It's a lot easier to keep your apartment clean because if you have a three story house, that's that's Voyage is the roller coaster equivalent of of maintaining a mansion. Having said so, that, both are phenomenal roller coasters. Great. They're both very high on my list. Yeah, we are going to put together per request. Someone commented on our Ohio coaster top ten. They said you guys should do a Pennsylvania one. So we're like, okay, we can do that. By that point, we had already planned on hitting Waldemere, which like was the last piece in the puzzle as far as notable. Pennsylvania coasters, so we're gonna put together a Pennsylvania top ten, and we're gonna do some some soul searching and decide where Ravine Flyer will place on our on our list. Which I'm excited about. I think that Pennsylvania is a good state to create a list. Um, We've had it's almost great, hard because they yeah. have so many great. We've had some there. great times in Pennsylvania this year because we also really enjoyed our time at Hershey Park. Park. Yep. We were huge Knobles fans, obviously. Uh, Lake Mont Park finally has Leap the Dips open again. Like, that's a huge triumph. So we'll be talking a lot about Pennsylvania, um, I think, in the coming years. Um, our article on the top ten will be kind of our first major Pennsylvania feature on besides just, like, trip reports and stuff. But it's a compelling place. You know, they've got, like, over 20 wooden coasters. They've got so many different parks. The fact that there's already so many amazing parks that we'd already been to in Pennsylvania and then we went to Waldemere finally finally got to Waldemere and it's like just another like amazing it's just amazing that there's this many parks that are so incredible in one state yeah and for me coming from Europe where wooden coasters are much more of a recent thing you know it's on modern wooden coasters GCI um, intimate prefab there's only a few you know classic coasters and they're still from like the 90s like yeah. there's not really like wooden coasters don't really run in our blood so having pennsylvania that like american state where so many classic wooden coasters um and as well as newer wooden coasters kind of fill the landscape of the theme park scene i really really enjoy being able to experience that now as we're like growing up wooden coasters and bandit yeah robin hood which really wasn't <laughs> that good of an example and then um, I guess we will move on to our new topic. So um, let's see. We did some polls on Instagram. <laughs> shocking. This was fun. The results were because. Were they? Were they shocking? Well, I figured everyone in the mother would just love Cedar Point so much that it was, you know, Fanboy Central up in, the, up in Instagram. But it was like real Fanboy Central. Was, yeah. So we were here to put everyone back in their place. <laughs> And do a little talking about <laughs> Cedar Fair's assets in Ohio. Because, girl... Okay, so we asked everyone, like, uh, we said objectively. Yeah, the first question objectively, was objectively. Objectively. Like, think deeply. Like, what is the better fork, Cedar Point or Kings Island? <laughs> now, I was kind of figuring that Cedar Point would definitely win this one. Because, you know, fanboys. But I did not expect it to win <laughs> by a landslide. By, like, 81% <laughs> Like, 81% of y'all decided that Cedar Point was better than King's Island. Four out of five of our of our responders. And one of those votes of the 19% that did vote for King's Island was my own. And mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where did the world go wrong? Good question. Why are we in 2020? Well, this is why. So, 
Objectively, I don't agree with that statement, but I'm sure everyone <laughs> listening to this podcast already figured it out if you haven't tuned out by now. My theory, okay, so we kind of, we were talking about this as we were putting together our plan for this this podcast, and I think it boils down to this, is that Kings Island is a like the ultimate locals park. So many people who go to Kings Island, they have an annual pass, or a season pass, excuse me, platinum pass probably. Because um, I think most people who live in Cincinnati and are pass holders to Kings Island probably also go to Cedar Point at least once a year. I, that might maybe that's a maybe that's a leap, but that's my expectation anyway. Um, it's so easy to love Kings Island, but it's probably also easy to take Kings Island for granted because nobody nobody lives in San. I mean, people do live in Sandusky, but there aren't that many people who like. Cedar Point is less than an hour drive from them. I think a lot of people go to Cedar Point and they stay on property, and it's a weekend getaway or multi-day thing. It's like this whole event where you go, and it's just spectacular and fills your field of vision with steel and color, and it's... And surely, I mean, if you're a big coast enthusiast, if you had to pick, well, where am I going to go, Cedar Point and Kings Island... If it's your first time to both, obviously Cedar Point is going to be the majority of people's first choice because, you know, Maverick, Steel Vengeance, Blending Force, Softball Dragster, everyone needs to ride those at some point if they want to, you know, yeah. if they're acoustic coasters, I get it. so overwhelming. Like, they're so omnipresent in conversations about coasters, those coasters, and a few others, obviously, like Millennium Force and even Magnum and Raptor, to an extent, are frequently discussed uh in the various circles um and then but then you have king's island which is you know the coaster collection for king's island has been through a lot lately they have a long history of of interesting rides and notable rides that have have now come and gone cedar point i don't think has struggled as much with having to retire uh coasters that were liked or popular for extenuating circumstances. Cedar Point has always had the luxury of like, well, we're just sort of thinning the herd and taking out the rides that have the lowest ridership or the least interest, whereas Kings Island's history with, you know, the different ownerships and stuff, there's been a lot of like, well, we built this prototype ride and it's cool, but the lifespan for it isn't the longest, so now Or build a ride to promote an IP or (laughs) build a ride to promote our image of the park. So Cedar Point's always been consistent. It's always it's been Cedar always Fair, been you know, yeah. where Cedar Fair was born. But Kings Island has gone through had a, so much more. Ownership management for Kings Island has had a variety of different things taken into account. There's been a, a lot of different interests versus Cedar Point's, uh, you know, interest in out outbidding Magic Mountain, basically, for roller coaster capital of the world. But then talking about being that roller coaster capital, Cedar Point has a lot of historically classic rides that at some point were significant and they were great. And I think that they have an incredibly strong top five or maybe even top eight. Yeah. But I think the drop off for quality of Cedar Point rides is shocking. I think that once you are done with, you know, the major the major e tickets that everyone can think about on top of the head right now, it just it just plunges like there's a couple of roller coasters there, and we're Arrow fanboys, don't get us wrong. But I think that um, 
Corkscrew. Corkscrew. Iron Dragon. Iron Dragon. Cedar even, Creek Mind Ride. Even Gemini. Even Gemini. They're not exactly the best examples of what Arrow can do. So if you're a huge Arrow enthusiast, it's like you go and you're like, oh, this is neat. Like they have a mine train from 1969. They have this racing coaster. They have the first coaster with three loops in it. They have this early era suspended coaster and like they're cool rides but and then the last remaining woody there is, is i mean it's yeah. a weak sorry guys but blue streak is not that great especially yeah. not compared to other woodies if you need a wood coaster distance, fix, really cedar point is not it and i mean they don't have to be because from you know driving from cedar point there are so many great wooden coasters nearby yeah. uh, including king's island's wooden coaster collection but I just feel that people focus so much on what Cedar Point has in the top five that they just completely neglect the fact that the middle collection is really weak at Cedar Point. Our second opinion. visit to Cedar Point this year, like there were coasters that were just closed for the whole day because of staffing issues, and it was not a surprise. It was the Je- both sides of Gemini's Corkscrew and Rougarou, which we love Rougarou because we kind of feel like that coaster fills the park's uh, like classic, classic looper, looper niche because yeah. they never built like an Aero Mega Looper. They built Magnum. They have their first generation looper and then they didn't really build a lot of looping coasters uh, relative to, you know, Six Flags Parks, for example, or a park like Carowinds where like every coaster there almost had loops at one point. Um, so like we like Rougarou, but we also know that ridership for it is pretty low. I mean, it was never actually on Fastlane Plus, if I'm not mistaken. I think from day one, it went straight. It went straight to regular. It's like going straight to straight to video. It's like going straight to normal Fastlane. But yeah, so they have they. I think Cedar Point knows exactly where the weak chinks in their armor are, and then even rides that were open, like we rode Cedar Creek Mime Ride just because it was there, and it's cute. It doesn't do, but it's not Avenged Express. It's not. Yeah, any means. It's not. Six Flags Ever Texas Mine Train cute. It's not Thunderhead or uh, Thunderation, excuse me. And it's not it's not even as good as like Big Bad John. I mean I think like, for like the the Aero Mine Trains in the US, it runs really low on my list. Yeah. It may even be the very lowest. It's a pretty I mean, enjoy the ride. I enjoy but, it for what it is. It's easy to appreciate, I guess, but it's also just there's just a lot of mine trains that are better. And now I do want to say that you know, switching over to King's Island is that okay, their top three which I think generally would be considered by most people like something along the lines of Orion, Beast, Banshee, the Diamondback. Yeah. Somewhere in there, you know, maybe, maybe Mystic Timbers, depending on what you prefer. People love those B&Ms. However, maybe they're not as strong as the top Intamins, you know, whatever leads to see the point scoreboard. Yeah. But the middle of the pack is so strong. Yeah. It's so strong. Like, I, I come to Gaines Island because I want to ride Bat. I want to ride Avenger Express. I want to ride Beast. Backlot Stunt Coaster. I want to ride Backlot Stunt Coaster because it's incredibly underrated. In Vertigo. In Vertigo. I mean, <laughs> there used to be Fortex and Firehawk, Flight yeah. of Fear. All these rides, we don't talk about them on a global scale. Yeah. But I come for, to Kings Island because I can hop in line for those, not wait very long, and have yeah. a great time. And it, yeah. I just feel like that Mill the Pack is what makes, yeah. makes the park lineup yeah. so strong. Kings Island's B team is actually their A team. I just, yeah, exactly. I just don't <laughs> think there is really any coast at Kings Island that. It doesn't register on my list when I'm there. I'm like, oh, I don't really care. I yeah. mean, I don't care as much for a racer because yeah. it's a little rough. And um, Diamondback is probably our least favorite hyper because of how it runs. But even Banshee's not as, like, the worst in the world. Like, and Orion is pretty dope. Like, 
I still wish we had Vortex. If I could, I would still exchange Vortex for Orion. But but I don't feel like Vortex is missing that much. Orion is pretty pretty cool. Orion is better than Millennium Force. I think. I think it's a better overall ride. And I do also think that the coasters that are at Kings Island have this unique edge to them. I mean, some of them are clones. Don't get me wrong. Um, But the fact the majority of the rides are located on the edge of the park uh, in the forest. Really, I feel like sometimes Cedar Point is too much of a concrete and steel jungle where I walk in that midway in the beginning and there's Gatekeeper and Raptor and Wicked Twister and there's just no character. I feel like it's just steel, steel, steel. Rides like Cedar Creek Mime Ride and Iron Dragon suffer from being on flat pieces of land. Everyone knows that. It's not a secret. And then you have Kings Island just three or four hours away that have perfection. Mine Train and Aero Suspended Coaster perfection that is due in no small part to the park's uh, dramatic topography. And then you have Beast, of course, which is still, I think, the the OG terrain coaster. I don't think there's many rides that can claim to be quite as influential uh, in terms of using your terrain, using your, your land, your forestry, uh, as that ride, and Cedar Point just doesn't have rides like that. The fact that their mine train and their suspended coaster are just so blase compared to other examples, and then and like Gemini is fun. I mean, I can't be bothered with it if it's not racing, and even when it's racing, Sean actually, we came into the station and he's like, it's too smooth. It's it's very yeah. Maybe, maybe that's just a me thing. I get that a lot I, of people like it smooth, I love it, but, but it's just you know I had ridden Excalibur at Valley Fair prior to it. And I'm used yeah. to these Aero Mine trains having a little more character, yeah. I guess. And this was really Aero's only like racing Woody attempt without it being a technical Woody. And besides the finale, like that super sharp helix, I felt like the ride was just the ride. Like, there's no real air. Overly ple- I mean, I I got air. Okay, as Jackie Santa would say, I got air. Sure, okay, there, there is some air, but I feel like it, it's, it's sort it's of ferocious in the event. It's super it doesn't mild. stand out to me. As, I mean, I have a Gemini shirt, don't get me wrong, yeah. we ride it. But. We got Gemini matching shirts because it's cute, because it's meta. We're, we always wear matching clothes, so obviously... You know, Gemini, I'm a Gemini. Gonna buy, yeah, Sean is actually a Gemini. If you're going to wear two of the same shirt from Cedar Point, it better be Gemini. So I'm already giving it the benefit of the doubt so, here. But, like, yeah, we wrote it, and it... I don't know. It's, it's, it feels like kind of a dumb critique, but I just can't shake the feeling that it's too too mild because it is so exceedingly pleasant. And then we, <laughs> we drop down a tier even further and we look at the kitty collection of coasters at Cedar Point. There's really nothing to write home about. It's written Kings yeah. Island has three pretty yeah. solid kitty coasters. You know, a family invert, a wooden coaster for kids, and I guess, you know, it's a miler. But yeah. Cedar Point won't even let you ride their smallest one. Yeah, I mean, I don't even have to. And yeah. the only great thing about Woodstock Express is that's the park's Vacoma. <laughs> yeah, so overall, I think that, um, yes, Cedar Point definitely has the stronger top, top they have set. Stronger, like, they have an amazing RMC. Noteworthy coaster. They have a solid Giga Coaster. They have Maverick, which is everything. I, I just love Maverick. We really enjoyed our rides. On, we rode Steel Vengeance. We didn't ride it last time, earlier this month, but we did ride it, or I guess at the end of July was when we went. We had it right at the end of July because it was, it was down. Tough. Yeah, it was close. Uh, it was down most of the day. Um, I heard through the grapevine that it valued. Just not confirm point or can deny, but they did get it open at, towards the end of the day, and they got a few people on it for like twenty minutes. <laughs> but then we came back, we wrote it, 
Um, we like we like it better now that they're running half-empty trains. It goes slower. Yeah, I think that my biggest critique in Sylvanas is just overkill. It's going so fast. Can't really enjoy the ride. Yeah. It hurts at some point. It's but like, if it, running a little bit slower, I, I really was able to take it in more. I was able to appreciate the elements more. I didn't. I didn't have as much pain except for the last couple of hills. Yeah. So. I, I liked our ride a lot better. There it ran is, better there for is us a than sweet it used to. Spot. It needs like I think for coasters, like we are big Magnum people. Magnum ran perfectly as always. Magnum is the truly great aerodynamics experience at Cedar Point. Um, and then you have on one end of the spectrum, you have a ride like Gemini that we think is a little bit of a snooze, and then you have Steel Vengeance, which is too violent for us to enjoy. Uh, but not this time. Someday we'll ride Steel Vengeance again after this is all over, and they'll be filling all the rows again. And it'll have been running all day, and it'll be super fast and aggressive, and we'll be like, oh, man, remember when it ran with, I mean, like, fair 10 sh- people on it? <laughs> a fair reasoning for those that don't quite understand our relationship with Steel Vengeance here is that we are both tall people. I'm 6'5". Yeah. 6'4", um, depending on which ride up and which ride. Yeah. And then Alex, you know, is 6'2". So we're both quite tall. And then the Cedar Fair trains for the RMCs have a single pivoting point in a train. So the shin guards are so tight on you. Like, it just it's just yeah. uncomfortable. And, like, the Six Flags ones where it's Six Flags a little more room. are much more ergonomic, the original lap bar. So I, I prefer those just... When it comes to like my shins not being absolutely obliterated, yeah. right? Um, so that's another reason why I missed by both um, Twisted Timbers and Steel Vengeance kind of you know yeah. kind of beat me up a little more than maybe uh, the average sized person. Twisted Timbers is a ride that I forget exists until someone brings well, it up. I mean, it's an RMC. So, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> with that, anyway, um, um, and then there's like the matter of okay, so I think it's no surprise, it's no secret that Cedar Points Intamins. And Steel Vengeance are the bread and butter of the operation. That's what makes Cedar Point Cedar Point versus Kings Island in its collection. Both parks now have pretty strong, objectively, collections of B&Ms, except that we don't really like most of them that much. Well, maybe yeah. not most, but... I mean, here's the thing we always look at, and I'm not, I'm not trying to sound snobbish. We kind of described it a little bit in our top 10 Ohio coasters. Yeah. Is that when we look at theme parks, we kind of look at them at like a global skill. Like, okay, yeah. is this something that, you know, is very unique to just this park, or is something I can experience in some capacity elsewhere? And yeah, Raptor is a good invert, but do I like it better than like Nemesis, Black Mamba, Montu, Alpengeist? Osiris. No, Osiris. You know, it kind of, yeah. it starts kind of fading away the moment I start thinking about those coasters. And that's how we look at these parks. I mean, some of these rides, I mean, you don't have to leave the country to ride a better hypercoaster from B&M than Diamondback. And you don't have to leave the country to ride a better dive machine than Bellraven. Anywhere you go. These rides just do not, yeah. It's like, it's for, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just us, and you ride enough of these things, and you and it's hard to not get nitpicky because you want. But it's also how some rides that have kind of lost significance with the in, with the enthusiasts in Ohio, like Gatekeeper, shine so much to us. Yeah, because Gatekeeper on the global scale was a phenomenal wind coaster. Yeah, compared to other wind like, coasters. Yeah, I mean it's a wind coaster, so it may feel mild compared to Steel Vengeance, Topsail Dragster, Valenia, whatever you want to compare yeah. it to at the Point. But then we've ridden a bunch in Asia, you know, like the wind coaster capital of the world. We've ridden a launched one, obviously the Holiday World. We have Phoenix, a super unique, very very intense one mm-hmm. in Europe. Yeah. And then, like, wow, Gatekeeper is massive. Gatekeeper has a bunch of elements that it does really well. And at the end of the day, P- 
people don't give it that much recognition. That's why I look at the global scale and be like, well, yeah. gatekeepers want to highlight the Cedar Point for me. We focus a lot on like how good of an example of a type of coaster something is. Maybe not. Whereas most people, I think, just look at the ride in relationship to other rides in the park. Especially Cedar Point because generally speaking, it's already considered a mecca. So like, why compare yeah. it to like a coaster overseas in Asia? Because you don't have to. It's just, you know, it's just kind of how we do it anyway. Like Diamondback, for example. Everyone loves Diamondback. Like, everyone is crazy about that ride. And I just don't, like, we can't, we can't relate because... Well, I will admit, I think the layout's awesome. The layout is but cool. But it's just so flawed when it comes to the hammering and the shaking. But yeah, the jack hammering at the bottoms of the drops. First two drops aren't as bad, but, like, everything... It gets wor- progressively worse. I would yeah. say the middle two-thirds of the ride is just unbearable. Like, it's, and it's not so much a matter of, like... It's, like, I would say at worst it is actually quite painful, but really more it's like a distraction, and it's just a characteristic of a ride that was not maintained or was not built properly or is not maintained well. And and I don't doubt that King's Island's maintenance is awesome. It's just that and it hasn't been done much since, and that's the scoops. Yeah. Like, the dive coasters with the scoops – have just such different trains. But then yeah. you look at a train that's the length of Diamondback, you yeah, know, this the giant eighteen row train that is just it's just a long train. But yeah. the scoops and then the whole train is affected by the fact that it hits the water, yeah. but those scoops in the back, and I'm not sure what it does to the mechanism, but there's a reason it hasn't been done again. Yeah. On those kind of trains. Yeah. The one that is in Happy Valley in Beijing is like a much smaller ride. With different with kinds of trains. Different kinds of trains and they have the scoops. But there's a reason why Shambhala wanted that effect, but it yeah, rolled like an automated simulated splash instead of a real splash by the scoop. So I don't blame Kings Island for it. I think the dream was there, and it looks amazing. I mean, you can like, standing like, off right. It's great. I don't think any of the Cedar Fair B and M hypers are really that noteworthy. But Diamondback is the only one where you feel that rattle, and you're like, "This is not this. This shouldn't it's not be how it's supposed here. to run." Yeah, I get that. A lot of people, if you're local to Kings Island and Diamondback, is like the only hyper coaster that you ride routinely. It's an easy thing to overlook. You can get past it. If you're not riding hypercoasters in many other places or you don't ride them very often and you ride Diamondback and you're like, well, this is cool because this is a hypercoaster and this is the hypercoaster experience that I get to have. The rattle at the bottom of the drop doesn't, doesn't necessarily register as a problem or even a distraction. But for us, it's, we, I'm like distracted. I'm like, whoa. Like we come to the bottom of the third drop and I'm like. I feel like the majority of riding Diamondback is just. You and I are staring at each other like, yeah, fuck, every it's time we last it. time. And oh my we do. God, what's we going ride on? it every time we go, even though we hate it. We ride it for you guys. <laughs> we ride it every time because we want to – we're not going to talk shit about coasters that we haven't ridden in a year. Also, I do years. I do generally want to ride these things to be like, wow, okay, it was running better. Like, oh, yeah. I could actually – I really enjoyed this ride. And there's, every time we there's ride, times yeah. we ride, for example, Banshee. And I'm starting to really grow on Banshee. So yeah. You know that Banshee I hated it. but is has – the older it gets, the more it kind of shakes a little bit and it feels a little more aggressive. Yeah. And I think it's starting to Banshee's build character. starting to even out a little bit more. It's the, the, the rattle that it has is not, I don't think, as much of a distraction or a deterrent as Diamondback. I think the, both of the coasters have major flaws, and I think they're different kinds of flaws. Diamondback has a strong layout, but the train, something is amiss with the trains. Diamond, Banshee has... Oddball trains, wonky trains too, and your mileage may vary. I, I just, I, per, I mean, I miss the rigidity of the standard B and M invert harnesses, but 
there's no denying that the view on Banshee is a lot better. If you're sitting in a in a wing seat anywhere in the train, you get a much better view than yeah. We were discussing like it just two days B&M ago, Denver. so um, that's cool. We were both sitting on a wing because you know we wanted to ride the yeah. wings, and then I realized like I it's can like, stare. I'm in row six out of eight. I can stare straight ahead with my tall head, and I can look right over to, all the way up to the front row. I'm like, wow, we this call is crazy. It Banshee is it's like the inverted wing suspended coaster. wing coaster, and it kind of it's funny because when you look at the actual layout of the ride. It has that one element towards yeah. the end, the inline twist, that it's a complete, yeah. complete being a wing coaster exclusive, but they put it on Banshee. Yeah. And I, in a way, I'm starting to appreciate the ride the more I ride it for things other than it's really generic and boring mix of forces. It feels like the same Banshee, force I feel time. like it's easier to appreciate because if I imagine it being a wing coaster or like, like we love Gatekeeper and we don't think Gatekeeper's hard to love. And I think if I look at Banshee from more of a gatekeeper state of mind, it's it's an easier ride to appreciate. Although I like that gatekeeper has that one camelback hump in the middle. No no inversion, yeah. like for at least for just a moment, there's like a break between inversions, which is great. Inverted coasters that used to be the norm. Like somewhere along the way we went from rides like Top Gun at Great America where every inversion is separated by an equally impressive non-inversion, helixes, S-turns, like a great first drop, that kind of bit. And that, then you have Banshee, which is just, you have a good drop, you have seven inversions, yeah. and it's over. It's, and, and what we talked about a lot when we wrote it the other day, too, is that Banshee has this thing where it uses the terrain very well, but it's also kind of a curse, because now, instead of the classic B&M's, even the big ones where like you start with large elements and then like the elements you get your way down. smaller, 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 snappier, snappier, yeah. where you finish with Montu or Alpengeist or any of the big ones where yeah. you finish with snappy inversions. Banshee is located in that valley, so like you keep going faster, you keep going into bigger elements and the terrain drops underneath you. I feel like... But the elements remain to be the size of Montu's first couple elements the entire way through. I hate that you come off of the barrel roll or the, the zero G roll, third inversion, you come down the ravine and it's like the ride started over. It's like, great, now we it's have like, another dive loop that's like just as big as the first dive loop. reboot of what you already did, right? The, the vertical loop. You get that extra, you get that Immelman in there. Immelman's like the only unique, unique yeah. moment uh, in that ride in relationship to itself. Because even though we have that slow roll at the end, it's also just kind of another zero-G roll like the one we just had earlier in the ride. I just can't, I, it just seems like you get, like both halves of the ride are almost identical to me. Like I... I know that's an oversimplification, but when you compare both halves of Banshee to, like, both halves of Montu... Or both you, halves you, of Album Guys. You come off the mid-course of these older B&Ms, and a different kind of ride takes over. Yeah, it's almost like if you ride, Banj- uh, if you ride uh, Montu or Album Guys or even um, Raptor... Or Pyrenees in, a good in, in Asia. It's kind of one of those rides where like the first half is like a big looper. It's big, cool. Tall the second inversions. half is like Batman, and I love Batman. And yeah. I want I want yeah. a second half that gives me different yeah. experience. I want this mid course yeah. to introduce me to a new kind of ride. Raptor was really the pioneer because we. It's like Raptor was the first B and M invert to have this second half or first half of like large inversions and then a second half of, of, of basically Batman the ride. So you have like a large looping coaster and then mid course and then it's Batman the ride at the end. And that was revolutionary. That became like the system that most inverts followed. But because Banshee has that huge topographical shift, which I mean, man, they had that ravine and they 
hell or high water, they were going to build an inverted coaster that took advantage of that. But it was at the expense of, of snappy corkscrews. And sure, in a way, elements. it's unique because you know there hasn't ever yeah. been a, an invert that's been completely made up of giant elements. It's basically every bit of banshee. It's like a hypercoaster. It's like, like it's, a hypercoaster. Precisely. So that's where we're coming around with banshee. We're softening so up. So like I'm starting to realize that like okay, banshee isn't like the other ones. It isn't snappy. It feels very generic, but. In a way, it's also really in way, unique in that way. Really it also unique. feels like a wing coaster at the end. And it also there's just not there's not a lot of inverted coasters that can say that they and and you know and in, in Cedar Fair and Kings Island's defense, when you're looking at building a B and M invert, you know inverted coasters had already been around for 20 years when they started planning that ride. The hype, but also your already, own park, yeah, your own chain has a snappy invert. And a wing coaster, a four-hour drive away, and in vertigo, and in vertigo, you have to do something next door. It's it, uh, it's yeah. like it's like navigating a minefield of like how do we build a marquee inverted looping coaster, but it has to be different than Raptor, it has to be different than Gatekeeper, and it has to be different than in vertigo. Well, yeah, here's the thing. Okay, so we kind of want a wing coaster, but we already have a wing coaster, and we also want an invert. Yeah. So I think they did a good job combining all those elements in a way that makes Banshee unique. To the point I wasn't willing to admit prior to like this visit, yeah, um, is that Benchy is a good asset for the park, even though it's still not my favorite. I am warming up to it, and I do think it's. it's I find Kings it Island deserves a shout out. I for think it. it's easier to appreciate that ride for me than Diamondback. Well, Diamondback has no excuse to be because away, Diamondback is just it's a pretty it's looking a ride, yeah. and it had so much potential, and then it just it's sluggish. It runs like the wheels have divots in them. Like, did they park the trains for a year or something? I mean, COVID didn't and happen, but yeah. I, it just seems like the wheels, like, like they're like they're gonna just shuffle right off of the the wheel assemblies or something. I just don't know. Again, I really think that the water breaking just hits that train so hard that there's this like ripple effect where all the cars shuffle and like it just seems like it's a it's it's a messy ride. And I also think that's why it hasn't been done again. It was really cool in the moment, and now you can't get away with it unless you install brakes yeah. in that valley and make a fake splash. But why go through the effort while the effect, the real splash, is still really cool, incredibly marketable? Yeah. And a majority of people visiting Kings Island have no clue yeah. how else it will be. Long story short, I think we like to travel when we're going to parks with big coaster collections. We love focusing on the underdog rides. If you focus on underdog rides at Cedar Point you're going to be kind of disappointed. You focus on Kings Island's coasters that are not considered marketable anymore, and you have a good-ass time. Yeah, at the end of the day, I want to be able to jump into any queue and end up at a ride that I really enjoy. And at Cedar Point, you have to be very selective. As for Kings Island, I can jump in almost any queue and end up in a ride I kind of enjoy. Like Kings, and that's the morale of Kings this Island's variety. major marketing rides are only partially our gig, whereas Cedar Point's marquee rides, it's like that. That's what we go there for. That's what you go there for. And then they have their B team and C team of, of coasters that, like, you're not really – a lot of – half of Cedar Point's rides aren't all that satisfying, whereas a majority yeah, and surely of Kings Cedar Point has an are. And surely Cedar Point has an older lineup where back in the day Blue Streak was amazing and back in the day Corfu was a record-breaking yeah. trendsetter and Ivan Dragon was a really cool experience. But they build over that and those rides are still standing there and they're yeah. just not meeting – what I'm looking for anymore is where Kings Island does have a newer lineup, but it also just has a much better consistency and quality. Like, it's kind of becomes the same with a quality over quantity, yeah. and I think that Kings Island just has the quality yeah. and not... Kings Island... It doesn't... Three coasters less, but a whole lot more. Never in hard. the history of Kings Island has the coaster collection there been a numbers game. And at Cedar Point, 
for better or for worse, their collection has always been a numbers game. And there are coasters there where you know that they built the coaster to be great, and then there's coasters there that you know that they built it because they needed a coaster. They needed a coaster. Like Val Raven. (laughs) So. But yeah, so let's look at our next topic real quick. We have here. In conclusion, you come to Cedar Point for coasters, but then you stay at Kings Island, basically. Pretty you go large. to Ohio for Cedar Point. And there's, there's more reasons. Come I mean, there's Cedar more Point, reasons why Cedar Point Island. is a reason to go. And there's more reasons why Kings Island is a reason to go. So we'll jump into that with our next topic, which is... So the next thing we'll talk about is actually going to be uh, landscaping. We are big landscaping aficionados. I found out somewhere along the way that uh, in order for me to be having a great time at a park, I just want it to be pretty. Is that asking too much? I mean, I come from, like, European roots. So, for me, landscaping has been a given. And then it came to the U.S. where shit like Six Flags exists. Yeah. And it's like, no. It's yeah. unbelievable how ugly some parks are that, like, a good hypercoaster can fix that. And in Europe, like, amusement parks are also parks. And gardens. Like, and actual park parks. The, the vast majority of parks like they're are filled with flowers and gardens and hanging out. And people don't necessarily and go, go to those parks. And have picnics in the grass. Yeah, totally. Like, and it's it, one of those things where, like, the whole family goes to everyone is parks, the you know, majority of the parks anyways. And so, like, you need to be able to hang out. I mean, my parents would literally never go on any rides. Like, we would go to these parks in Europe and, like, they would literally just sit there drinking coffee between the fucking gardens. Yeah. All day long. Yeah. Like, from open to close while we were riding rides all day. Even some of the massive parks. Like, everyone talks about Europa Park. They have a huge garden. And you can get lost in that thing and you can't even hear the sounds of rides. And then there's, you know, parks like Fantasia, Land, which have not necessarily gardens, but they have amazing... They may not have a lot of room. ...scenery and landscaping where, like, you're just transported somewhere else. And that's something that really lacks in the U.S. So then we come to the point, like, well, Kings Island and Cedar Point are considered some of the best regional parks in the country, which I agree with that statement. Yeah, yeah. But, like, landscaping-wise, we asked everyone, like, well, what do you think is better, Cedar Point landscaping or Kings Island landscaping? To my surprise, people did agree pretty, yeah. that um, Kings Island, with 55% of their votes, had the better landscaping. Yeah. As a 45% of votes went to Cedar Point. So, I would agree. I mean, Cedar Point has a cool setting over the lake. But yeah. when you come into the actual park, besides flower beds, it's a lot and a lot, a lot of concrete. Of concrete. Um, not a whole lot of water features, except for where the mine ride is. Um, so, the I'm glad frontier, people were agreeing with that. The frontier land area, of the, or frontier Frontier Town is by far the best part of Cedar Point. It is the part of Cedar Point that feels like I could spend a lot more time in that area than other parts of the park. It's not draining. Perhaps it's also why I love um, Maverick so much because that ride actually has landscaping. Like you hop in and around the trees and the water features. Also, like Maverick, Steel Vengeance, Cedar Creek Mime Ride, nice little trio of rides. None of them are up in any other rides. Grill, like. Cedar Point is like kind of an assault on the eyes in places. The the Rougarou, uh Iron Dragon Top Fill Dragster area is it's painful because it's, it's this giant midway of concrete while you're hard looking to look up at. and there's a it's bunch just, of steel it's everywhere. Just, yeah, I don't mind. I enjoy like the Gemini Midway uh, because I still think it feels very clashy. There's not yeah, a whole lot of it's, landscaping. It's, it's just, all just concrete and rides and lights. Of, yeah, when you get towards the back of Cedar Point where there's lots of trees, it gets better. But man, it's a rough. Entering that park is it's kind it's of a rough, rough first place. 20, it's a rough minutes, start yeah. because it's just a lot of concrete and it's the the flowers and stuff in gardens are really nice. This year they really didn't do a lot of flowers. 
Um, the flower beds were mostly empty because of COVID, which is, you know, that's fine. But even when... Even generally speaking... Even when the gardens are intact, I just kind of... And, and like, some of the smaller... They've got some, some nice trees peppered around here and there, but over by Gatekeeper and, and Wicked Twister, and then over by Blue Streak. I mean, it's just... of the Raven. It's just... It is incredibly ugly. There, there's no soul, in my opinion. When yeah. it comes, I mean, again, they have a really impressive collection of rides, um, but I'm glad that Instagram agreed that there's just no denying yeah. that landscaping-wise, God, Cedar Point really banks on rides having a view of the lake because yeah. when looking inside the park is ain't pretty. That's for sure. And then you go to Kings Island, which we when we were we, we waited in line an hour to over an hour go like up seventy minutes in the Eiffel Tower because we really wanted to take pictures. Completely worth it. We were up in the Eiffel Tower for an hour as well. Um, standing around Eiffel Tower, Kings Island is eye opening. If you go to that park and you just hit every coaster and go from coaster to coaster to coaster, you won't actually go into the middle of the park because the middle of the park is all grass. And it's low parks, trees. landscaping, even back off Suncoast, which is themed to an industrial theme, lots of gray, black and white. It's but it's completely so surrounded nicely. by little gardens and like a clock of yeah, the flowers. They, have the, flower, and, they have the flower clock and the flower calendar, which they update the flower calendar every day. And I just, they have the little, it used to be like the Paramount story, the little little walking garden thing that's now like a smoking rest area. That's still there. It's still cute. That's where their carousel is. It's just amazingly pretty and relaxing. Of course, Rivertown, like where Beast is and stuff, it's just trees, 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 trees everywhere. Even in Action Zone, you ride Bat, you ride Banshee, you see it's trees. It's it's and fields, the benefit of, fields of green. So Cedar so much Point, green. the moment that you reach the edge of property or the edge of the midways, it's all water, obviously, which is cool. Again, really? but, it's, yeah, but it's not having a complete forest. There's yeah. no real infrastructure besides that of the park that's close to the park. So even Orion, which is very unique for a coast of that size, has its own carved-out piece of woods. Yeah. And then every ride that is not in the middle of the park, which is very pretty much all the coasters, yeah. go out and go into the woods. Diamondback yeah. feels like you go somewhere. Mystic Timber should go somewhere. Yeah. Beast, you go somewhere. Banshee, you go somewhere. Bat, you go somewhere. Uh, yeah. You know? Sure. So it's one of those yeah. things where that's so important to the experience of a ride to me that we can't overlook the landscaping and the forestry really makes a difference is where at Cedar Point I feel like most rides all I'm looking at it's, it's just concrete yeah really yeah Millennium Forest is the closest thing that they have to a ride that really feels like you go somewhere yeah it's kind of fun how Millennium Forest really does kind of venture through the forest which is their biggest coaster it's, their, funny it's their giga coaster and yet it's also their closest thing that they have to a terrain coaster yeah and it's the only giga coaster in the world that could even attempt to call itself a terrain coaster and it's at Cedar Point, of all places. Cedar Point built tunnels for that ride, little rock structures that you pass through. I guess that's one that you pass through twice, sort of. I don't know why Cedar Point doesn't do more tunnels, because they did tunnels for Magnum. Yeah, I wonder if it's like a flooding thing. They could have done a tunnel. They could have built... Just the main reason that um, there was no tunnels nor a water feature on Valraven was had to do the with water the water tables. table. So. They could have built like a little castle, like a little... Turret. This isn't Disney World, but that Bauer even like dove through. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like they could. Uh, oh, so you're talking kind of like the Viathan where they built this yeah. temporary looking tunnel right up on top of the of the drop, or like they built or like I don't know. I just, they could have done. They could have done something. Cedar Point doesn't seem to concern itself much with like 
giving the rides. Cedar Point kind of has this like Magic Kingdom effect where uh, people will come anyways. God. So it's like one of the things like, well, Cedar Point is tradition. It's a hundred year plus old park that is on the lake. People have traveled for generations every year, every summer from different states surrounding the park to come there for a couple of days yeah. to ride the craziest thrill rides. Yeah. And that's what they bank on. People will come. They will build for Raven and they'll have a line for the next 10 years because the general public that comes loves Cedar Point for loving Cedar Point. The Magic Kingdom. You know, they don't necessarily come there because they want the quality or they want the most polished. And they don't have to come there. It's not what Cedar Point is for. But we have to take that moment and be like, well, Kings Island, with that history of being a park focused on nature, when Beast is built particularly, then having a Paramount moment where I want to give a shout out to Paramount for building some of the rides there, like Flight of Fear. Um, and building Backlot Sun Coaster, which is so paramount. Like, Love it's action, it's special effects. You know, so I want to give a shout-out to, to Kings Island for doing that, uh, for Paramount for doing that. And it, it's in Kings Island's DNA to have nice landscaping, having those trees, having the grass. And so Cedar Point can't back away from that because that park yeah. is built on that yeah, on that beauty, really. I get it that Cedar Point space is a premium, and the, Kings Island is a much larger plot of land it's just a lot less of it is developed. 100% of Cedar Point is developed land. Yeah, I heard they have for approximately the same amount of space, except for Midway space is so much less than Kings Island. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot more, you know, the whole old pinwheel thing where you yeah. head down the center and then it splits up in yeah. two. It's almost like a peace, yeah. peace sign. Um, oh, that's something else know? that is so great about Kings Island is that... <laughs> the walking is so not as It's strenuous. like the Pentagon. Yeah. Once you enter the park, you're not more than a 10-minute walk from anything there. But God, Cedar Point right now with the reservation pass system, you enter the park, you go all the way to the back of the park for Steel Vengeance and Maverick access passes, and then you go and ride some other stuff, and you have to go back to that corner of the park to use your access passes. Basically, the whole front of the park <laughs> It was is exhausting, because like, okay, so we roll up, and it's not super busy, because you know, we park in the yeah. front row, but it's also at opening already, because we landed and we had to drive over, blah, blah, blah. So we run in. And, God, we had to go to Sylvain just to get our access pass. I yeah. kind of just forgot that, like, it is a effing hike it is, to get all the way down there. And, like, we walk a lot. We are walkers. We comfortably walk 10 miles a day, a day when we go to a park. Yeah, anytime we go on a trip, it's Cedar Point 10 miles a put day. us on our asses because we went, we got our access passes for the two Frontier Town coasters. We went and rode Magnum. Well, it's also Cedar, Fair, it's Cedar Point's kind of a mess that, like, half the rides are closed. So there was yeah. nothing really to ride between... Yeah. You know, Steel Vengeance and Magnum. Yeah. So we have to walk, I get that you know. circumstances are what they are, and it's not Cedar Point's fault, and we're just glad that they're open. But God, like, I will not miss this whole reservation pass thing with Cedar Point, because at least before you could go, you could make your way to Steel Vengeance and start your day there, and, and then just naturally walk the park from where you were. Uh, but now, right now, with the reservation pass, it really highlights... What Cedar Point has had to do right now really highlights what a pain in the ass the park's layout is. Well, the main reason is that the four closest rides that are of significance are also the four e-tickets that require a pass. So, yeah. like, yeah, you could walk from Steel Vengeance to Maverick. Oh, wait, you can't because you have yeah. to literally get an access pass. Yeah. You want to talk to Draxler? Also yeah. access pass. Okay, the other way around, going to Millennium, access pass. So, like, it's one of those things where... Yeah, if you're in the back of the park, you really can't ride anything besides my ride yeah. if you don't have an access pass, and you have to it's go just, back to the front. You, there's a lot of biding your time at Cedar Point right now. <laughs> it just feels messy, and it, it, it's, it's already a kind of a challenge. The park's already a lot to take on, 
under normal circumstances, but right now it's just not it's not pretty. And then on a topic of landscaping, we gotta appreciate the entrance. I mean, the entrance to Cedar Point feels again very concrete, very open, very gray. Looks cool. It looks cool, but we love like, gatekeeper, it feels but too. God, it's, it's so industrial. It's where like, the Kings Island has the beautiful and fountains and you know, there are national just parts street. of Cedar Point that are so ugly and un- unappealing that they have no right to exist. Like the bathrooms next to Raptor should not exist. They look horrible. There is nothing in Kings Island that looks as bad as, like, the Raptor bathrooms or some of the structures towards the front of the park. Like, I don't don't know why Cedar Point, after all this time, hasn't done just a complete teardown rebuild of everything in their park that's ugly. (laughs) Because there isn't... It's not. I think they have more good-looking structures than bad, but goddamn, like some of their buildings are so hideous. Like the restrooms, also right at the front of the park next to Ocean Motion, like that building with like the cinder block walls. Like it, it's just I, I could tell that like Cedar Point has always wanted to be a lot of things, but pretty has never been one of them. And Kings Island makes it look easy. These parks are owned by the same parent company now. Like, Cedar Fair has done a pretty good job of keeping Kings Island pretty. Well, I do want to add to that that (laughs) just when we look at the lineup of Cedar Fair parks that historically for both, both, if I'm not mistaken, is that the Paramount parks kind of came up or came out to be like our favorites because they're all really polished. And Paramount, I guess, had a big focus on making these parks look good and you know the history of the sparks with the nice interests and stuff it does make a difference to your overall experience i think i'm much more i think i'm much happier walking around a park when it's busy if the park is appealing to look at than i am at a park at cedar point where the only thing i'm there for is coasters because the rest of the park is not that much to enjoy to me yeah if you're not there just for coasters you're not gonna have a good time it's funny because magic mountain is kind of guilty of the same yeah at least magic mountain has both parks have some interesting both Magic Mountain and Cedar Point have some interesting rides that aren't coasters. You can't wrap a day around that. Totally not. Because we also asked everyone on Instagram, like, well, who has a better variety? For some reason, Cedar Point got, like, mad points yeah. again. It got 78% of the I votes. guess we just weren't very specific because I think it kind of – a lot of people just said, well, Cedar Point is the better coaster collection. It has more of a variety of coasters. But really what we meant is, like, is like we kind of reiterated with a follow-up question. I'm like, which park has the best non-coaster rides? And Kings Island, did Kings Island win that one? It was actually a 50-50. It was pretty close. And I think that's fair. I mean, Cedar Point does have a, you know, does have a Raptor ride. And Cedar Point does have a Ferris wheel and a bunch of flat rides. They have their Sky Ride, which is cool. They have their Sky Ride. It's just that it's not very polished. But they do have an okay selection of rides like that. And I think the same goes for um, Kings Island. I mean, Kings Island has, I think, the better variety because it has a dark ride. It has a lock flume still. Yeah. It has it has you know more rides of different kinds. Yeah. And that him maybe have more of a presence. Um, but when it comes to their general like more modern recent flat rides, they're pretty similar. I mean, they both have you know. A, and a, they both a, have the house giant, house frisbee. giant frisbee. Yeah, I guess their flat ride collections aren't that different because they both have. Well, I guess Cedar Point has an early aircraft monster. Kings Island has a spider. Right? Or is that... No, it is a monster. They're both monsters. They both have scramblers. They both have um, giant frisbees. They both have... I was just thinking of one, and then I forgot. What's another flat ride that both parks have? Why am I... 
Oh, Troika. That's what it is. They both have Troikas. They both have Dodgems. Yeah, they both have bumper cars. But yeah, I guess it, it comes down to like, are you an Eiffel Tower person or a Ferris wheel person? Eiffel Tower, at least you get to spend as much if time you don't, If you're not really into water rides, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like there aren't that many Cedar Point people who care about water rides. But if you care about water rides, you're going to have a better time at Kings Island because their log flume is so cute. And their water park is free with admission. Yeah, and it's also just generally a nice-looking water park. But it yeah. doesn't have quite have the views of the actual right. lake. So It's funny. At Cedar Point Shores, it's actually expected for it to be like an ugly concrete mess, and it's actually not that bad. It is true. Cedar Point is what happens if, if you built a theme park using water park rules where everything is concrete and bright colors and trees are, like, not necessary but appreciated. So I would still say that both have a pretty okay collection of non-coasters, but it just feels like Kings Island perhaps is a little bit more of an interest in them. As when Kings the Island still had Tomb to Raider. Feel a void of needing attractions that yeah, aren't Kings coasters. Island used to be the better non-coaster ride park, but I think they're both suffering from their own uh, like non-coaster ride fatigue. At least Kings Island got their car ride back. The Kings Mill Antique Autos is so cute. I think that's a step in a in a positive direction. I'd like to see both parks get like more interesting flat rides, but sometimes I forget the flat of fear is not a dark ride. Um, but if we're gonna talk about you know just variety, I know we said non coasters, yeah. but I think flat of fear kind of fills a void where it yeah. being indoor creates such a different experience. I'm just surprised that Cedar Point for the crap weather and wind it gets all the time doesn't have an indoor coaster. Like, also, the shed weird to on me. Mystic Timbers is very dark ride e. Yeah. There's so at least there with like dark ride components like Flight of Fear and Mystic Timbers both have. I feel like Cedar Point, everything is the same kind of station. Everything is outdoor. Yeah, that's where at Kings Island you have you know you have your dark ride, but you also have dark ride components on roller coasters. You have indoor attractions. Especially I mean, Cedar Point, used Adventure to have Express good dark rides. has oh yeah, baller theming totally has dark ride stuff going on. So yeah, even though they're not coasters, I guess yeah. This overall, like when yeah. I think about my day, it's like, well, well, did I go somewhere to experience something? I feel like at Cedar Point, it's always the same thing. Yeah. So at least at Kings Island, I feel like there's just a variety of elements, yeah. themes, things going on, and it just Cedar Point. There's theming I mean, there. Disaster Transport was kind of that for Cedar Point because it was a large, like indoor with like theme components and stuff, but it just didn't last. People didn't. People and then didn't we get to it, really. then we get to kind of you know I guess the theming aspect is that Cedar Point has Frontier Town, which I think is their most cohesive product when it comes to the yeah. themed areas. But on that, like, there is no theme besides concrete. Yeah, there's not really midways. a theme. As where at least Adventure Express is a theme, yeah. and Bad has Bad and Banshee kind of play this game together, yeah. and then of course Backlog Stunkos is very well themed. as fire effects. Yeah. The whole Orion area. The Orion area, area seventy two is spectacular. Turned out great. <laughs> Fire and Orion go hand in hand. Um, and Cedar I think it's my favorite regional park theme areas. We haven't been to the Forbidden Frontier, which is that new area for Cedar. It's closed right now because it's not very COVID friendly. Yeah, last year we went. It was opening that week, but it was only. It was, yeah, we weren't. We had, we, weren't we enjoyed the now. views of it from Millennium Force. I think that's another area step in the right direction for Cedar Point. Of like, they're. I think. I think they're. I think Cedar Fair is coming around to the fact that like Cedar Point has a deficit of character. And they want sprinkle to drive, some Knott's Berry Farm. They want to drive. Yeah, they <laughs> want to take point. some Knott's Berry Farm bits and sprinkle them around Cedar Point to you know make the ra- make the park a more charming place to just like be in versus you know a park where you're only having a good time if you're ricocheting between coasters. And then there is um, food. A matter of food. 
Food, food's important. Um, I think both have about equal amount of food. This is the one uh, we're all interest. in agreement on because, like, both parks were like pretty even keel with well, what we asked on Instagram. It was fifty eight percent for Cedar Point on Instagram, and yeah. I think I would have to second that because of all the restaurants we've eaten at, like dining wise. Yeah, um, I definitely like melt a lot. Melt. They got a cool mac and cheese place at Cedar yeah. Point, and then like yeah, both parks are brew houses and Chick Fil A's, yeah. and you know the generic stuff. I mean, neither of them are standout parks compared to what we have here in Orlando. But as far as food, as far as food, Kings Island, you can get a good, you can go, you get a Tom and Chi donut, Tom and grilled cheese, cheese. Cute. yeah, blue ice cream for me is a must every time. But at Cedar Point, I think there's a larger variety because the parks is Cedar larger. Point's a better place to go and have a meal. Yeah, if you're gonna have a whole meal, I mean, it's see, Kings Island doesn't have a table service restaurant right now, which is kind of what makes Melt special. Yeah, oh, I love Mel. We can't yeah. go to Cedar Point and not go yeah. to Mel, so. Yeah. And if we ever, like, if we were ever in Cleveland for some reason, then, you know, we needed somewhere to eat. Of course, Skyline Chili is a significant, oh, yeah, that's you know, true. part yeah, of you the can do Cincinnati line. Cincinnati Skyline thing. And they've got that ice cream place that is Cincinnati-based, like Garrett's or Graters or whatever it's called. It starts with a G. Oh, I'm totally sure what's You called. guys know what we're talking about. I'm sorry. I'm butchering the name. But it's this ice cream dynasty down there i guess in a day when it comes to food either park has yeah. has a pretty decent lineup i mean it's not bad I, um, both parks are better than any six flags and that's the tea like oh definitely eating at six flags is like a chore i hate it i hate having to think about what i'm gonna do for food at a six flags park. oh i don't do food at six flags like i can't really handle being at a six flags park longer than like six hours because then i'm like i really want some food and i don't want to pay twenty dollars for an exceptionally bad Panda Express experience or $40 for a large cheese pizza from, you know, the microwave. So I guess if you're at a park in Ohio and you're eating, you're in good shape. You really can't lose. For regional parks in general, I think the Ohio parks have a pretty have a pretty good... I mean, of course, parks like California's Good America and Knott's Berry Farm... You know, are a little bit more food-centric regions where yeah. it's a little more important to have good food lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's what they're pressured by, you know. Knott's being located just a few kilometers from Disneyland. And Knott's being Knott's, I mean, it started literally as a famous restaurant. And then the rides came second. So, yeah, food is, food is pretty good at both. And then we have the park layout, um, which I guess we tapped on earlier, is that nothing is too far away from you when you're at King's Island. Yeah. As for Cedar Point, it can be, uh, it can be quite Cedar tight. Point is exhausting. If you, and Cedar Point has never had to do stuff like this with, like, fast passes. I feel like, like fast lane is so easy. The reservation system is, is like, or the access passes. Is, it gives me flashbacks to the old fast pass systems at Disney Parks where, like, if you wanted a fast pass for a ride, you had to go to the ride first. And then come back to the ride to ride it. And <laughs> that's where we're at with Cedar Point. I never felt like Cedar Point's layout was a problem until now. Up to this point, it was just big. Now it's cumbersome. But, I mean, we'll see. I'm sure next year it won't be a thing. Overall, if you ask us what park we like better, it is Kings, Kings Island. Island. Because Kings Island just has a lot more going on when it comes to like theming and being able to just hang out and it's easier on the ice. Like I just really enjoy walking around. And we don't really go hard at parks unless we're like somewhere really unique. Like if we're yeah, in China, if it's our first visit, we'll go pretty hard. But if we've been to these parks before, we like to take it easy at parks. We're also Dis- we're, it's, we're Disney people. Like we like to go to parks and linger, and we like 
going places where we can take satisfaction. I want to be able to like sit down and have and a drink at a bar and then go yeah. out again and like go ride some yeah. rides. And I feel like at Cedar Point, if I'm really going to go ride some rides, I need to go hit up the big boys and wait in long lines, generally speaking. Yeah. As we're at Kings Island, I'm perfectly content yeah. with like, rope dropping Orion, yeah. having a beer, having lunch, yeah. and then Running riding back Adventure Express in yeah. Vertigo. Just yeah. enjoying, you know, rides without really... And that's why a middle pack is so important to me. I want a middle pack where the general public isn't queuing two hours for it. Yeah. But I really enjoy the rides. We're at Cedar Point. That just doesn't exist. Yeah. If it ain't a, a big, good See, attraction... All of Cedar Point's best riding. rides, it's like two-hour waits and complicated, you know, jumping through hoops for access passes, whereas Kings Island, the stuff that we like the most at Kings Island, it's just easy. It's just easy to do. Yeah, so like if, yeah, if it's your first ever visit to either of those parks, obviously Cedar Point is really important if you are a big coast enthusiast. you got to hit those, those world-class coasters there. But yeah. I think after you've hit those and you really start looking at, like, well, what park has a soul, what park has a character, Cedar Point isn't it. Yeah. Cedar Point is like a really ugly, concrete <laughs> city park-looking thing. It's where it came down, I feel like it's really just polished, and it was, it was meant to be... It's a really high-class, quality park yeah. that was supposed to rival Universal, was supposed to rival Disney back when Paramount really wanted yeah. to be the next big studio thing, and Six Flags was starting to add DC rides. And, you know, there was this little period where, like, all chains were fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paramount parks now have that leftover feeling where they're a lot more yeah. polished and they're just beautiful yeah. and landscape. Yeah, and they're, Kings, parks like Kings Island, you can still feel, like, where the parent company, where their eyes were cast on Orlando. And... Cedar Point's never concerned itself with that. I don't feel like Cedar Point... Cedar Point has never had to look at another park besides Magic Mountain. And obviously, if you're trying to one-up Magic Mountain, you don't have to do much to, like, be more manicured. So... Yep. And that's that's the T. That's the T. Anything you want to add to that? I think that just about covers it. Yeah, I would love to know your feedback. I mean, go comment on social media... Let us know where your favorite park is. You're likely just part of the big CP group yeah. over here. I mean, There's again, CP wrong with outranked. Cedar Point being your favorite. Yeah, There's again, it just kind of comes down to like our preference being lingering and yeah. having Disney next to us. And, and we just really traveling. like traveling. We are so. I just want my parks to be super pretty, even if the ride collection isn't as spectacular. And that's just us. That's just me. Like, that's our taste. Yeah, quality over quantity. Yeah, get it at like yeah. spectacular big coasters made completely draw you in and that's fair that's what Cedar Point is for but I think I just enjoy having a more relaxing time and a more overall pleasing roster where yeah the big four aren't as big as the big four at CP but I just enjoy hanging out and riding whatever is there anyway Um, with that we're going to kind of conclude the episode go visit thecozykings.com we've got a lot of new updates on there Um, Wildwood Belgium's Hypercoaster can't miss Jurassic World check out all the pictures we have Kings Island Report, Cedar Point Report, Waldemir Report, a bunch of European content coming up. We just expanded our team down down there. Um, and if you're listening to our podcast, this is just our second season, so we're still kind of sort of new at this. Um, we would love for you to rate us. Give us a nice score, preferably, <laughs> um, on any of the apps you use to yeah. listen to podcasts, whether it be iTunes or Google, Google Play, whatever you use. Give us a rating. Let us know. We're going to try and have an episode every two weeks. So we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Sayonara. Adios.